The Oklahoma Sooners have found a replacement for special teams analyst Jay Nunez. Who's that going to be? Let's find out on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers join today, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. And the top story for today is the Oklahoma Sooners have found their special teams coordinator in one San Diego State special teams assistant, Doug Deacon. Yeah, and he's been with uh, San Diego State for a long time, uh, 17 seasons in total. Actually, uh, you know, the last uh, six as the special teams coordinator, but had also served as the tight ends coach during the 2018 campaign. So he's not strictly a special teams guy, but obviously uh, at Oklahoma, that's that's going to be the role. And, uh, you know, for OU, we, we talked about this when Jay Nunez left, John. Jay Nunez came in, big-time uh, reputation, and uh, the the numbers for OU were pretty good in 2022, but uh, they took a big-time step in the wrong direction. If you buy into the ESPN SP Plus numbers out, out there, right, which is the uh, – statistical analytical numbers that sort of uh, evaluate all of the efficiency for offensive units, defensive units, special teams units. OU was 39th in special teams SP plus in 2022. They were 94th last season. Obviously a, a number of those problems reared their ugly head, John, in the kicking game, especially that's field goal kicking. That's uh, the punting game. For Oklahoma, Gavin Freeman uh, had some problems in uh, the punt return as well for Oklahoma. So OU from 39th in the SP Plus in 2022 to 94th last season. And oh, by the way, if you're looking at the preseason SP Plus rankings, that's really kind of the one area you look at for Oklahoma that the efficiency dorks out there don't really like OU right now 14th offensively 19th defensively which is a 19 spot jump for OU but they're 95th in special teams so this is an area that hopefully Doug Deacon can come in and help fix yeah it was an area that was underwhelming for the Sooners it was good at times uh, but then you had stretches whether it was at the beginning of the season where the punting was really lackluster or in the middle stretch where uh, you know Zach Schmidt just didn't seem to have his A game, and uh, and one of those being a, a game against Oklahoma State where they lost by three points and he misses a field goal, it was kind of a rough stretch for him. Or if it was Gavin Freeman who you know had had a nice really performance in non conference play, but then as the season went along, it just seemed like he, either he was pressing or just not having a good feel for the kick coverages that they were facing. So it's hard to 
really pinpoint where Oklahoma was succeeding on special teams. Now they, they got Luke Elzinga going in the back half of the season and he started kicking or punting really, really well. And that was kind of the shining star of the special teams department, but you have to get better. You cannot let one area of that, those three phases, you can't be poor in, in one of those phases and expect to win at a very, very high level. Now they won 10 games despite a special teams unit that was kind of average. And some might even argue below average. And if you can get that to be a good special teams unit, it's amazing how much that can change the outcome of a game, you know, whether it's a a blocked punt or a big return or just being, you know, execution, you know, just executing your field goal operation and, and making the kicks that you're supposed to make, or, you know, not having shanked punts or busted coverages on, on returns. So, you know, whether this works out, we'll see. Cause like you mentioned, Jay Nunez came with a really solid reputa- reputation as a special teams coordinator at Oklahoma. It didn't really pan out that way. Uh, a lot were surprised that Alabama came calling, uh, but you know, they, they needed a, a new staff to put together uh, un- under Kalen DeBoer. But you know, Doug Deacon comes with a, a really strong reputation and kind of like Brent Venables is, is a guy that's going to be in a place for a long time. He's not, a job hopper. You know, he's he's been at San Diego State for forever since his playing days and this is his first job away from San Diego State. Now, I say that it could be a stepping stone somewhere else where he had to get out from underneath the Aztecs to to kind of get his name out there a little bit more, but it's it's an intriguing up and coming hire and I think that's what's kind of exciting about this is that you get somebody that hasn't accomplished it all at the power five level. He hasn't done it all. You know, he's still got to, he's still got something to prove here and he's going to come in to Oklahoma trying to straighten out a special teams unit that again was below average and make it a, a, a special part of this team and make it an asset where they can actually help win football games as opposed to being drug along the way. I'm going to share a couple of numbers with you uh, as I read up in real time here with you about uh, Doug Deacon from San Diego State. I think you'll like some of these numbers. Uh, In 2021, three blocked punts. That uh, tied for 10th in the country. So, uh, look, I love a special teams unit that's able to block some punts here and there. I mean, to me, that's the – not just, hey, do you have big punt returns – do you have, you know, good uh, punt coverage, good kickoff coverage, uh, you know, bust a big kickoff return here or there. You're good uh, in the kick department, uh, making field goals. To me, look, if you're blocking a punt or two and blocking some field goal tries or two, that to me is the sign of a well-operating special teams unit. So they did that three times they blocked punts in 2021. Uh, this uh, from the San Diego State Files again. In 2022, Deacon's special teams unit ranked second in the FBS in ESPN's special teams efficiency rating. That uh, at the time was the second consecutive season that they ranked in the top five there. And then uh, last season, the special teams unit continued uh, to be very efficient. According to what I'm reading, ranked ninth in the FBS per ESPN special teams efficiency ranking. So that would have been the third consecutive season that they ranked in the top 10, according to ESPN special teams efficiency rankings which you know it's kind of fascinating that uh, i'm reading that because according to the sp plus 
they ranked 54th in special teams uh, SP plus ranking, so or 56. So I don't really know what gives there and why there would be a, a, a difference. Maybe somebody can help help make sense of that. But the bottom line is, according to at least one metric, they were incredibly, incredibly efficient over the last uh, three seasons. So that a positive sign. Well, what I take from that is it's just a team that's going to take care of business. You know, even if it may not be spectacular week in, week out, it's not going to kill you either. Like you're not going to get muff punts. You're not going to, you know, shank punts. You're not going to miss field goals. You're going to, you're going to be kind of on point. Uh, and one just kind of in the raw numbers, they were a pretty good punting team over the last few years. So hopefully that continues to translate, but it, you know, it, hopefully it's a sign that, okay, we're going to go in the right direction. We're going to step in the right direction because if Oklahoma special teams unit is able to take a step up, I think that really is going to give them a chance to be even more successful than we think they could be in 2024 and uh, moving forward in the sec. One guy that's not too sure about Oklahoma's chances moving forward in the sec. That's a one Greg McElroy who covers the sec and been a part of the sec for quite a long time. Let's hear what he had to say. Coming up next here on Locked On Sooners. And it's time, ladies and gentlemen, to go ahead and get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all of your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and so much more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. Uh, some of the numbers that are out there, NBA finals odds, Oklahoma City, you can get uh, OKC 25 to 1, still not, not too bad for OKC. I don't know if they're going to be winning championship rings right here, right now in 2024, but they're officially, I think, back in the legitimate fray to do so. Uh, if you have a strong leaning on Denver going back-to-back, plus 440 right there, NBA Finals odds, Boston Celtics, they're the odds-on favorite, plus 230 from FanDuel. And uh, let's see, the Clippers, plus 500. The Milwaukee Bucks, who uh still trying to figure things out with one Doc Rivers there, plus 650. But that is FanDuel, an official partner of the NBA. So the Oklahoma Sooners heading into the SEC. I'm not sure if you all have heard about that or not, but uh, the Oklahoma Sooners are moving into a new conference. And surprisingly, not everybody's exactly sold on their chances in 2024. Obviously, they've got one of the toughest schedules in the conference and really in the country with the slate of games that they have. Uh, But a lot of people aren't so sure that they're going to be able to go in and contend for the SEC or even for a college football playoff berth this next season. Uh, Greg McElroy, formerly of the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, and now an SEC analyst, uh, had this to say, the Sooners, they have to prove that they are ready for the grind. If you look at Oklahoma's schedule, they have one of the toughest in the SEC. They have Alabama, Ole Miss, Missouri, LSU, Tennessee. All of the aforementioned won nine or more games last year. They've they've recruited SEC-level talent, but they also have a lot of things to prove. Brent Venables in his two years in Norman, 10 and 8 against the Big 12, which is not bad, especially taking into account just how much better they were this past season than they were the year before. So progress was made. The problem was the Big 12 got a whole lot of a heck, a whole heck of a lot easier last year, and yet they still had losses to Kansas 
had a loss to Oklahoma State, and three of their 10 wins came against Big 12 first-year teams in BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati, all of which just now got to the Power Five. So let's start with that before we get to some of his other comments, Josh. What is your takeaway from that? What's your rebuttal to that? Well, uh, Oklahoma was always probably going to enter this offseason with some legitimate questions based on the Kansas and Oklahoma State losses, right? And this this is bowl game aside, which I think is another element here that is at play. I mean, he's mentioning these Big 12 games, but uh, I think the, the loss to Arizona and the fashion in which it happened is also – uh, working to shape the narrative for McElroy and others perhaps nationally. But look, uh, Oklahoma wasn't aggressive enough to end that game at Kansas. They made way too many mistakes uh, at Oklahoma State. And because of that, you're going to pay the price. You weren't in the Big 12 championship game. And uh, a lot of the goodwill that Oklahoma built up nationally with its win over Texas, they gave back with uh, the mistakes and inability to win at Kansas and at Oklahoma State. So to me, uh, you know, whether or not I, – I, I don't know how much I agree necessarily on, okay, the Big 12 got worse or, you know, it was better in years past. Or I mean, Kansas was a much improved Kansas team this year. Oklahoma State with Ollie Gordon had one of the best players nationally. So I don't really necessarily look at the two games and chalk them up personally as just bad losses in Oklahoma – failed against an easy Big 12 schedule across the board. I, you know, Kansas and Oklahoma State, to me, respectively, were better than I was expecting uh, last season. But look, Oklahoma lost games that Oklahoma shouldn't lose at Kansas and at Oklahoma State. The facts are the facts are the facts. And because of that, people are going to feel some sort of way in the offseason. Yeah, those are absolutely winnable games for Oklahoma. Even in the game when they were facing adversity, they still had chances to win it. They just couldn't pull it out. So I get where everybody's coming from, that maybe downplaying Oklahoma and what's coming ahead, especially given all the turnovers they've had along the offensive line at quarterback. But, I mean, they've got a lot coming back too. And what they've turned over from Dylan Gabriel to Jackson Arnold is also pretty good. Greg McElroy continues, he says, I believe Oklahoma is absolutely trending upward, but there are some question marks. I think Jackson Arnold is going to be a really good player. I love the hire of Seth Luttrell. I think they've done a good job of reinforcing some depth in the portal to an extent, done a good job on the recruiting trail of high school ranks, but this grind that they're about to experience with their schedule is unlike anything they've ever seen in the Big 12. The same can be said for Texas, frankly, but it does feel like Texas surged into the playoffs last year. They're more capable and more prepared to rally up and play teams like this on a week-to-week basis. <clears throat> Oklahoma beat Texas last year, and they weren't supposed to. They weren't considered as good as Texas, but they went and beat them in the Cotton Bowl, in the Red River Showdown. When Texas had first and goal at the one-yard line, Texas couldn't punch it in on Oklahoma's defense. That's getting better year after year after year after year under Brent Venables. So I get why people want to put a little bit of downplay and underscore or, or underplay what Oklahoma is going to be able to do next year. But please do the same thing for the Texas Longhorns. Yes, they went to the playoff, but they got beat by Oklahoma. This isn't a perfect team. This isn't a perfect Texas team either. 
they're going to have to go through the same grind and get used to the, a whole new challenge, just like Oklahoma is. So if we're going to apply, who knows if they're going to be up for the grind to Oklahoma? Let's apply who knows if they're going to be up to the grind for Texas as well. We cannot sit here and say, oh, Texas is more ready just because they went to the playoff. What was the argument? All those years Oklahoma went to the playoff. They're oh, they're still not ready for the SEC. Nah, miss me with that nonsense. Oklahoma is in as good a shape as Texas going into the SEC because both have recruited at a very high level. And again, Oklahoma's got that win over Texas. We just talked about it. Oklahoma shot themselves in the foot against Kansas, against Oklahoma State. And I will contend until I am taking my last breath, if, if you want to ask me, was Drake Stoops interfered with in the end zone at the end of the Oklahoma State game? I will say yes. And I will carry that one until I'm 105 because that one right there mattered in that game. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, hey, look, you you probably don't need to seek apologies from uh, Oklahoma listeners or viewers out there. They, they, they hear you on the Drake Stoops thing. Uh, you know, look, I've said for a number of years in regards to Texas that for me, I've seen Texas get up for OU. I've seen Texas get up for Georgia and, and win those games when they weren't as good of a team maybe as either. But it was the in-between that Texas couldn't deliver on. So I will give Texas a little bit of grace here to McElroy's point that they did prove something to me finally last season. Matter of fact, they lost the game to OU and still found their way to the college football playoff because they took care of the business that they needed to take care of elsewhere. Having said that, I, you know, I hear what you're saying too, which is okay. That is still Texas. That's done that once out of the last uh, 15 years since Colt McCoy was on the sideline there. So, I mean, Texas hadn't done that since then. So I still have a lot of can Texas, can you go do that for me uh, again this season? And if they have, then okay, maybe Sark has turned the corner with Texas and they're going to return to the types of heights that I know some in Sooner land will laugh at that. But look, uh, Mac Brown had Texas for the 2000s as a perennial top 10 program. They didn't always beat Oklahoma. In fact, a lot of times Oklahoma kind of embarrassed them at the Cotton Bowl. But Texas was a legitimate, bona fide national power top 10 team year after year after year. They haven't been that. They got to show me that they could be that. For OU, you know, look, uh, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape on what McElroy or others feel or think because Oklahoma brought this upon itself with its poor performance versus Kansas and Oklahoma State, and there's no getting around it. Yes, it will be more of a grind than the Big 12 in recent years has been. I would take a little bit to task the comment that Oklahoma has never seen this They haven't seen it recently out of the Big 12. But once upon a time, uh, in 2000, there was a red October run for Oklahoma in the the Big 12. It was the, believe it or not, it was that same Big 12 conference, the same name. Now, that was, uh, okay, admittedly about 25 years ago. But, hey, you know, who's counting that? So Oklahoma has faced daunting schedules in its history and risen to tell the tale of a national champion on the other side. That is a part of Oklahoma's history. So, but it's fair. It's fair for anyone to have the question, how is Oklahoma who hasn't won to Oklahoma's liking and even win Oklahoma over the last whatever 10 
however many years you want to say, John, whatever your number would be, that time frame where Oklahoma was winning Big 12 championships, they had to win a lot of score-a-thons. And they didn't on a routine week-in, week-out basis go do what Georgia has done to a lot of teams the last couple of years or what uh, Alabama has done to teams over the last decade and a half. So, look, I get it. Oklahoma is not this program going into the SEC right now that has made a uh, regularity out of embarrassing people, if that makes sense. No, I, those are all valid points. And and I get, man, where people are coming from on Oklahoma. They, I do think that they've got something to prove. And, and I think that's okay. I'm just sitting here wondering why we're not applying that same logic to the Texas Longhorns who have finally kind of shown something in all of the years of offseason hype that we've gotten out of them. They finally did something. Okay, let's see them do it again. Show me, Bama. And before we start listing Mizzou as a tough game, they got to also prove it to me too, that they can win more than six games multiple years with Eli Drinkwitz as your head coach. One of the ESPN's question marks for the Oklahoma Sooners as they are looking through their top 25 and trying to figure out what the biggest question mark is for each team. Uh, it, it comes for a guy that is going to be taking the helm at quarterback. Let's discuss why ESPN has a question about Jackson Arnold coming up next here on Locked On Sooners. Grocery bills are so expensive these days, but now they don't have to be. Start getting cash back on your grocery shopping with the free Ibotta app and get cash back every time you shop. Do you love making money, but also love spending money? Don't we all? Now you can make money while you spend it every time you shop with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That can cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. So you can buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 off for just trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE when you register. Again, they're offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. When you register, just go to the app store or Google play store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code locked on college. That's I B O T T a in the Google play or app store and use code locked on college. So ESPN's going through their top 25 and determining, okay, what's the biggest question facing each team for the Oklahoma Sooners. They asked the question is Jackson or how ready is Jackson Arnold? This is Dave Wilson. Uh, ESPN college football analyst Arnold, the number one quarterback in the 2023 ESPN 300 and the number three overall prospect was thrust into a starting role for the Alamo bowl after the transfer of starting quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, who decamped for Oregon while Jeff Levy, the OC quarterback coach who recruited Arnold also left to be the Mississippi state head coach. The good Arnold threw for 339 yards and two TDs. The bad. He also threw three interceptions. With the full spring as the starter under new coordinators Seth Luttrell and Joe John Finley, the spring will be a sprint to get Arnold up to speed for the Sooners' first season in the SEC and one of the country's toughest schedules, Josh. Well, I mean, I think it's – look, I think it's a fair question to have about OU. The most important position on the field, you've got uh, a young man in Jackson Arnold that's made one career start, and let's just – say it like they said it and call it like we saw it. It was a mixed bag. There was a lot of great, 
but there was some not so very good either. So because that's the world we're living in, it's only natural that that's going to be a question that some people have about OU. Is Jackson Arnold, in fact, the top quarterback that he was in his signing class, the winner of the uh, Elite 11? Is this guy a surefire, can't-miss NFL uh, first-round type talent, or is he going to underwhelm to some degree? The, the bottom line is we can have strong feelings about it, uh, but we really don't know entirely until we get uh, a little further down the road. I'll say this. For Jackson Arnold, I'm not going to get real hung up, and I think we said it immediately after the uh, the contest versus Arizona was don't get – we said it before and we said it immediately after too. Don't get too high. Don't get too low because it's a freshman quarterback making their first start. Anything you do in life, and uh, obviously quarterbacking would fall into this, especially when you're talking about a true freshman quarterback, but anything you do in life, typically you get a lot better the second, third, fourth, fifth time you go about doing it. So, And I know that Jackson Arnold had played a lot of quarterback before uh, stepping foot in Norman, Oklahoma, but he hadn't been the starting quarterback at OU in a football game. And I know he got to play a half down in Provo, but it's going to get easier the more and more he reps throughout the spring. It's going to get more and more comfortable the beginning of next season. I think we're going to see the five-star quarterback that we expect to see from Jackson Arnold. I don't know if that's going to be entirely – in 2024, I'm optimistic that it can be or that OU collectively across the board. We're talking about a new special teams coordinator, John. Well, okay, you've got a freshman quarterback you're breaking in, so why don't you cut some corners for him? Why don't you down a couple of punts inside the 10-yard line? Why don't you have that defense turn the corner a little bit more and start resembling what uh, Brent Venable's defenses elsewhere have looked like and help your quarterback out if, in fact, this is the biggest question for OU? Yeah, I feel pretty confident that if the offensive line comes together and provides the protection that the quarterback needs, then this thing's going to hum. Like this offense is going to look really, really good. You bring back Nick Anderson, you bring back Jaden Gibson, you added Deion Burks, Angel Anthony will be back healthy. You've got some really, really intriguing you know, speed pieces and uh, Jaquez Petaway and Brandon Thompson. And then you added four really nice wide receivers in the 2024 recruiting cycle as well. You got a, a Jake Roberts, who I think can be a little bit more uh, productive at tight end. And then a Davin Mitchell that, who knows, man, are we going to be able to, are they going to be able to keep him off the field? You know, that, that's going to be really fascinating to follow. So, I mean, the skill pieces are all there for Jackson Arnold to go have a fantastic first season as the starting quarterback. How, you know, that said, like, you're going to have to block for him. You're going to have to get the run game going. You can't have slow starts uh, on the ground uh, throughout, you know, half the season um, and, and not face some challenges like against Tennessee or Ole Miss or down in Auburn. You know, you, you got to get things going pretty quick uh, to make things a little bit easier. And that's not saying you got to make things easy on the kid, but you know, every quarterback needs to have that quote unquote easy button, you know, that this, this play design is just going to be simple for him. Look at Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan basically is always hitting the easy button for Brock Purdy at the NFL level. It took a guy who was mid at Iowa state and helped make him a Super Bowl quarterback. So, you know, so much of of this has to come together, the offensive line, the offensive coordinator, the play calling. But I think the talent is there for Jackson Arnold. And if it doesn't go great this year, I don't think that that necessarily says everything we need to know about Jackson Arnold. It's a developmental game. 
but I don't have any doubt there's going to be a lot of success. He's going to learn from that uh, Alamo Bowl loss, the three interceptions, the fumble. He's going to learn from that. He's going to learn from the good things he did as well. He's going to learn from all of it. He's a grinder. He's out there. He's going to put in the work. And so I feel very comfortable that Oklahoma is heading in a really, really good direction at quarterback, but he's going to have to develop. He's going to have to improve this offseason. There's a big difference between being the, the number two guy and being the number one guy. And, and then who knows, like last spring, was he getting all those second team reps or was he getting third and fourth team reps? Uh, was it in, not until fall that he was getting those second team reps? So, I mean, he's he's getting an opportunity to get a lot more practice time this spring that's going to help get him ready for the start of the 2024 season. Any other thoughts on any of this, Josh? Yeah, I've got uh, one final question in regards to it. Is ESPN right? And and maybe this is a, another longer conversation for another day. I don't know that that's Oklahoma's biggest question going into next season. It's a legitimate question, and I don't think it's unfair or unfounded. But to me, you know, as I'm letting this kick around the noggin a little bit more, the biggest question I have about OU is, is the defense going to be great? Because there were signs early in the front half of last season that it was – we referenced the the goal line stand – versus Texas UCF they had another one and then well you won't talk about the penalty right that uh, happened afterwards that that erased the thing but there were signs clear obvious signs that Oklahoma was starting to take the shape right resemble its head coach and and then they backslid to end last season and okay you got Danny Stutzman coming back you have Billy Bowman coming back you've got Woody Washington coming back you've signed big time signees each of these last two classes. So it's not totally put up or shut up time defensively for OU, but it's pretty doggone close. This is the season where it should really start coming together for the Sooners. So that to me, living this and breathing this and talking about this almost every day, that's the biggest question for OU. Is this the season where it all comes together defensively? And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. So hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Myself at John Nine Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. You can also hear Josh Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on the Kara Sports app. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at the SoonersWire.com. But until next time, he's Josh. I'm John Boomer Sooner.